Hello and welcome to another episode of the Knife Life Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today with a special guest whom we will introduce in just a little bit. Uh, but my name is Eugene Kwan. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube under that name. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Frank. I go by Dr. Frunky on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and email me at drfrunky at gmail.com. And this is Mike. I go by Bloomin' Blade on Instagram. All right. Yeah. So we've got a special guest today uh, that we'd like to introduce right away. You might already be following him on Instagram. And if you are, then you already know that he's got some really sick knives and not just amazing knives, but knives that really span the spectrum of what there is in the knife world. You've got modern flippers, uh, slip joints, all kinds of great stuff. And so, yeah. uh, Would you like to introduce, introduce yourself? Absolutely. Hey, everybody. This is Dave, uh, Every Dave Carry on Instagram. Hey, All right. Dave. What's Welcome, up, man? Dave. Welcome, yeah. Dave. Thank yeah, you guys and just, for having uh, me. Yeah, and Charlie couldn't be here right now. Maybe he'll join us later in the show, but uh, he's just not here right now. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah cool. Mysterious Charlie with what, all the different things he's got going on in his life, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Dave, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's just really great to have you here. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I've gotten a chance to tell you this, but I actually followed you a little while back, I believe. I, I can't remember when exactly, but I remember the first picture that I saw of yours was of, I think it was a Jared Oser, Acer, uh, Tengu with the Fordite scales. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just instantly fell in love with that knife and realized this is a guy uh, 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 for whom I'm going to be feeling a lot of envy for (laughs) the rest of my (laughs) knife collecting history. Uh, But yeah, that was my first introduction to you, but we wanted to go ahead and uh, introduce you to the rest of our audience and and give you a chance to share a little bit about how you got into collecting knives, kind of what what are your interests, what drives you, um, yeah, just any anything else that's kind of pertinent to your knife life. So, yeah, you want to tell us how you got into collecting? Yeah, absolutely. And just first, I just want to say thank you uh, for you guys to uh, have me on the show. You know, I'm a fan of the show, so it's really rad. Thanks. Um, hey, cool. Thanks. And, yeah, and thank you for the kind words. You know, I, I pretty much, uh, my collecting started similar to most of you guys. Um, probably about three years ago, I wanted to buy myself a birthday gift, and I decided it was going to be a pocket knife. I always had pocket knives as a kid, um, Swiss Army knives, CRK, um, CRKT. And, okay, yeah, that's a different uh, yeah. CRKT. <laughs> 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 um, and then, you know, I just kind of didn't really collect them and sort of forgot that I was into them. And uh, so I was just like, yeah, I'm going to get myself a birthday present. And I did what everybody did. You know, I started watching YouTube reviews and I decided on a uh, mini grip go figure and uh but that process of just like researching knives and kind of going down the rabbit hole um i just got in and fell in uh, pretty deep pretty quickly mm. um so it was pretty short amount of time that i went from you know one or two you know bench made to the delica um you know eventually was like okay i'm gonna get this chris reeves sabenz and then i'll be all set because there's nothing more to have out there that's like the first plateau right you kind of build up to that point and then you think you're safe from the addiction <laughs> yeah i <laughs> would even say i would even are. say benchmade is the first plateau i mean that's even mm. you know investing some 
some money for most people over a hundred well, bucks. That's definitely like, true. Oh, definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I absolutely like spent a few days deciding, you know, about actually pulling the trigger on that bench made, um, as just a person, when I get into a hobby, I tend to get into it pretty significantly, pretty quickly. And I want to know what it's all about. So this was kind of like a perfect storm for me because some of my interests are design, photography, um, you know, mechanical, anything that's really mechanical, old school, handmade. Um, I'm into food. So really anything that you can appreciate where somebody's put a little bit of themselves into, uh, I'm really drawn to. And what I think is so cool about knives is they're so simple in their design and, and function. And, um, but, but as you guys know, it's a really a deep hobby to get into. So, um, it kind of fit the bill for me in a lot of ways. And, uh, during this time I'd actually just had my daughter. So it was a lot of sleepless nights and it was kind of the perfect sort of companion for all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can, um, you can definitely go down that rabbit hole infinitely. There's just, it's just, <laughs> it is set, yeah. definitely that, that sounds a lot like all of us, you know, yep. how we just find something for whatever reason we get that first knife. And for whatever reason, we just, want a better one and then a better one and a better one. And it just, that's, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, and so, uh, where are you now? Like, I, I know that you wanted to discuss maybe some slip joints now, but I was wondering like, what are your tastes and where have they gotten to at this point? Maybe like after that Sabenza, where did it, where did it go? Um, it sort of bounced back and forth between like flippers and modern folders and slip joints. So, uh, I saw the, Fremont Jack and there was like all the hype around Northwoods and I didn't really like most people when they start getting into Great Eastern Cutlery like what's Northwoods what's Northfield what's you know GEC and you know so I kind of went down that rabbit hole but ultimately I just liked the design of the Fremont Jack you know it was unique to me and uh and that opened up that can of worms and actually like collecting and trading and buying and selling Great Eastern Cutlery is sort of what really got me familiar with sort of the secondary market different collectors and sort of you know how to go about that Um, i know i know so little about that entire world of knives i really do (laughs) same here yeah Yeah, you know it's funny because like great eastern cutlery because of their price point but also kind of the quality that you get and just the variety of patterns that they come out with that this really steady clip throughout the year they make them just super collectible and i feel like I mean, I went down the exact same path that you did, Dave, where uh, something about it, it just it's like not it's expensive enough to feel like, okay, I'm getting something of some good quality, but it's not so expensive that that you wouldn't find yourself buying like four or five at a time, you know, and then and then just trading them with people and selling them, swapping them. I, I totally know what you mean by that. Yeah, I, cool. I I imagine it's, you know, similar for people who collect like case knives, you know, it's that price point where you don't right. really feel guilty about it and you know, you right. can get your money back out of it. Um, and they do just, you know, every pattern that they release, they do in, you know, a variety of handle pattern, uh, handle material. So you can kind of find the one that really speaks to you. And they're a lot of fun. And even now, you know, that I have a pretty significant number of custom slip joints, I still am excited to see what they're putting out. And, uh, you know, not really buying them too much these days. I kind of have the ones that I like uh, mm-hmm. in my collection at this point, but they're just great. And, you know, they're, they're quality made. They're good. Knives are fun to carry. I like the 1095 steel. It's fun to sharpen up. Um, so that kind of opened up slip joints for me. So, and you know, just like anything else, you get into the production stuff and then you want to know, well, if this is like a good production knife, what's a good custom. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, it just, 
started following some guys on Instagram, having some conversation, um, seeing what spoke to me from a design aesthetic. Um, cause at the end of the day, really for me, that's what I enjoy about knives. I'm not, you know, I like to cook, so I use my kitchen knives, but my pocket knives, if, you know, if I'm going to break down some boxes or whatever, I grab my Delica or my PM, my para three, and that's what I use. And everything else is really just an appreciation for the craft and the material. So, um, I think that's what draws me to slip joints is kind of the simplicity and, you know, it's, it's tough to get simple, right. Um, and some of the patterns just aesthetically, um, really speak to me. So speaking of those aesthetics and, and, um, and patterns, the Northwards Fremont jackets kind of got that double rounded end, double bolster look to it, right? You know, and it's a pretty, pretty much a. Is it? Does it slightly taper towards the the end of the handle? It looks like it does to me. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have you found yourself kind of staying around that that style of pattern? Uh, you said no, that I you have. What, yeah. Yeah. No, that kind of just it jumped out at me because I hadn't seen anything like it. Uh, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was I was like, oh, what's kind of this all about? And also, to be honest, like uh, my knife hobby, a lot of it comes from making purchases that I know I'm not necessarily going to take a bath on. You know, like, and at any time, if I need the money that's in my collection, the collection goes. You know, or a knife yeah. goes. So I try and buy stuff that I know is going to hold its value. And I think I saw all the hype around the Fremont Jack drop so i was like all right well let me check one of these out and i know you know if i need to get rid of it it's not gonna be a problem yeah northwoods knives especially during the the david uh the i'm sorry the Derek bond era like these northwood knives seem to really keep their value pretty well i've got got a madison barlow that has become one of my favorite slippies uh but yeah i mean they they're just really addictive to get into and uh i think a puzzle yeah go ahead yeah I, i have a question I, like you guys are, you might as well be speaking Hebrew to me about the knives. <laughs> like I really, I don't know what you just said, Eugene. I really don't understand. Like I don't, and and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, biased against them. But what is it about slip joints? If you don't, if you're not forced to carry a slip joint legally, explain to me so that I can understand and enlighten myself about what makes it so cool. There is an entire sure. world. And there, like you guys said, there's a whole group of people that are all about these things, and uh, I'm trying to figure that out. Try to t- teach me about it. What is it that's cool? Yeah, Dave, dive in. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. What do you um, think? I mean, I'll certainly speak for myself. I think it is truly their simplicity. Um, there, you know, there are these sort of traditional patterns, uh, the Lanny's clip, the spear point, the sway back. A lot of those were designed by Tony Bowes. He's kind of the grandfather of traditional knives. And, you know, traditional knives sort of have this reputation of being like grandpa knives. Um, you know, okay, you know, I have my electric kettle, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just something about when I'm looking at them. And because a big part of the hobby is that it keeps me into my photography hobby. Um, there's just something about their simplicity and the overall aesthetic, um, that I really enjoy. I will admit though, the first time I got a custom slip joint, I was, you know, obviously excited to handle it and I opened it up two hands and I was like, well, that's boring. You know, there's no, there's no satisfaction really that you would get with a, a great flipper or, you know, thumb opener, spidey flick or whatever. Um, until you know i handled enough of them connected with other collectors and some of the makers and really appreciated the effort that goes into making them and 
uh, have some basis of comparison. You know, when you open yeah. up a slip joint that's made by, uh, you know, a guy like Romano or Pena um, or Jared Ozer, um, they are just so fluid, so smooth, <clears throat> you know, that just snaps into that half stop. And uh, that back spring is perfectly flush and you don't see the pins that hold the shield or the pivot in place. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's the finishing work. I think that really that I enjoyed, they are simple and simple is hard. And that's just something as someone who appreciates design um, that really stood out to me. So it's not. And also I work in an environment and maybe this is really a, a bigger part of it than I, than I even consider. I work in an environment where taking out a, a flipper is not, it's not cool, you know? Um, and for me, I like to share my hobby. And when you take out a custom slip joint and share it with somebody who's not interested in knives, it's super approachable because it's there's no, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you can yeah. then, you the defense is immediately down and then you can start sharing what you like. Oh, this is this handle material. This is how, you know, this is a hand finished blade and, and so you can have great dialogue and get other people interested um, without sort of coming into that, like, oh, you pulled the knife out. Oh, my God. You know, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So he pulled I, out I a gigantic that... knife and he just flipped <laughs> yeah. it really fast and made a loud <laughs> sound. What kind of switchblade is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that definitely played into it, too. Um, but certainly parallel to my slip joint collecting has been, you know, modern folders. And, you know, when I go up to my knife case in the morning to pick something out you know it's pretty it's not uncommon that a, a flipper or something goes in my pocket because it is kind of more fun just to flip throughout the day and that sort of thing but for me you know now at this point um when i open up the slip joint uh it brings me the same amount of joy so uh i i think it's just different <clears throat> but it's in many ways it's the same right like what do you love about a flipper well you love the finished work you love the details you like the grinds you like all that stuff well all of that exists on a slip joint it's just not as fidgety at the end of the day because if you take the fidget factor out of it and the fact that you know you can't deploy it with one hand quickly which is a need that i never have then there really is not much of a difference yeah that's, that's a uh, way of summarizing it yeah you've done you really laid it out and as you're just talking i just felt my pulse racing you know, like it's just getting me super excited. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hate you now because now I want to get into slip joints. That's oh, well, you awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, this it's... probably won't help either. But for me, you know, in my budget that I have for knives, like for me, any hobby that I get, it's like, what's perfection? You know, I'm a car guy. To me, perfection is an 80s air cooled Porsche. Is it going to be the fastest? car no, no it's not you know there are cars that are going to outperform that all day long but there's something about the aesthetic and the tradition behind it that i'm drawn to and i think it's similar with knives and when you get into the highest end slip joints right if you get a maker if you get a, a romano or a, a, a ryu or a Pena to make you a knife you're talking about you know 700 to 1200 dollar table prices for the best of the best of the best Whereas compare that to modern folders, you know, you're talking three or four times that in some cases. So for me, that sort of uh, pursuit of perfection and really this is the best version of this knife that's out there that that I can have that in my collection is pretty special. Well, that's a whole nother discussion like prices on these things in the in these markets. But, yeah, you're totally right. It's it's more approachable for sure. And I uh, I appreciate the way that you described it, honestly, because. 
we were discussing this right before we we started recording uh but i really feel like the slip joint appreciation comes at like a certain evolutionary point in a knife guy's life <laughs> and I was just saying that I don't think I've gotten there yet, but I think that I will. And that makes perfect sense because, you know, recently I've definitely gotten into fit, finish and materials combos. And I see these slip joint guys now making all these clean lines. You don't have the flipper tab. You don't have thumb discs and deployment things in the way. It's a clean design. No clip even a lot of the time, you know, just a very simple but perfectly done thing. And I, I definitely appreciate that. That's cool. I think both of you guys. I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm around the same. Uh, I'm right at that same edge of appreciation as you are. Nate, <laughs> yeah, Nate kind of took me through this crash course in slip joints when I met him at New York Custom Knife Show, and it was mm-hmm. nice because he had brought a, a few really nice slip joints. Uh, I um, I forgot which makers, but um, and seeing them in person as he talked through all of the things that he you know just mentioned about what goes into them. I felt that appreciation, you know, start to surge a little bit and I could just see myself all of a sudden just, you know, fucked because now I want high end slip joints or <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's a slippery slope for sure. But, uh, they're, they're really, I, I've found the makers to be really pleasant and typically very humble as with, with most knife makers. Um, but it's just another, just another aspect of the knife you know uh the knife hobby that's that if you're drawn to it then you should enjoy it and if you're not then don't you know i i I don't i by no means am i trying to convince anybody that they should start collecting slip joints i think that um they do have sort of a grandpa reputation uh in in the broader sense and i think you know if anything i just uh i think that they're worth a second look um and they're easy to overlook because of their simplicity but i think that's the beauty of them cool uh, well, uh, so we were just talking about uh, you've been to some shows recently. Uh, you were at the New York show and you you uh, talked to Mike. Yeah, well, my relationship with Mike is pretty cool. It's actually pretty funny because we knew each other on Reddit. And um, that was sort of my first community of knife collecting. I sort of went there first before Instagram. And uh, we used to chat on there quite a bit. And then fast forward, we were chatting on Instagram. And we had different names, so I didn't know he was his Reddit name, and he didn't know I was my Reddit name. We're like, oh, my God, that's you? That's so funny. So uh, we've kind of been buddies online not knowing for a, a few years now. Uh, <laughs> yep. But, yeah, we yeah. both had, oh, wow. That's crazy. We both had plans to go to New York, so we met up and uh, explored the show a little bit. Uh, previous to that, I went to the East Coast Custom Knife Show in Florida this year, and uh, I didn't go to Blade this year, but I went last year. So those are the only the few shows i've been to oh well nice uh and so uh what'd you pick up while you were there in new york i got that <laughs> uh, a thorburn um uh l36 small which is kind of a funny story too because right when the doors opened i went right over to uh andre's table and there was this knife sitting there with Westinghouse scales and Timascus bolsters and red liners, which is right up my alley. And I picked it up and the action was just like insane. And I flipped it, you know, a bunch of times and put it down on the table. And I'm like, I'm not really here to buy anything, but I know I'm going to regret not getting this. And I took a lap around the show and I went back and some dude was flipping the knife, looking at it. And I was like, ah, I'm going to miss my chance. And uh, he, he put the knife down on the table and I just picked it up. 
and uh, the dude was like, "Oh man, that's a nice one." I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get it." And that was Mike. And so we, uh, we had planned, <laughs> we had planned to meet up. Because um, as soon as he, <laughs> as soon as I put it down, I felt the same regret. I was like, "If somebody that, picks this up." <laughs> at what moment did you guys realize that that you were each other? Like About later, five minutes like a few after minutes later. he bought it. <laughs> oh man, so it hadn't even happened yet. That's so crazy, man. Yeah. It's like as you're paying, I'm supposed to meet a guy. Meet Have some... you noticed someone? <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> but I was happy he actually... got it though because it was a super nice Thorburn. It's the smaller version of yours. Because Frank, you have a medium, right? Your fancy new one that you're going to talk about in a second. No, I mean I'm not trying to talk about Thorburns at all. To talk about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. okay. Nothing to do with that. But, uh, yeah. but I would like to. I, yes, it is an M. It's a medium. And this yeah. one's a small, and it's. So a, how it's big is the small? How big is the small blade? It's like three. It's got to be a little over three. It's not yeah, three and a quarter. That small. Yeah. You think it's three and a quarter? I think it's. I think it's three and a quarter, maybe a hair over that. It's so not this, that small. This medium is like three six or yeah. like almost three seven, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah so this is probably three and yeah. a quarter. Would be my guess. Yeah. Nice. It's, nice. Uh, that's it's a nice size. That's a very nice size. It's per- for me. It's like perfect because it's yeah. got enough weight to it that the action's great, but it's still very, you know, that perfect size for me. I yeah, really I like uh, I nice. like a, a little bit bigger knife. Uh, the M is a good size for my hand. It's not a good size for office deployment, though. It's a little bit of an aggressive size for that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big knife, and it's yeah. very loud in a very nice way for a knife guy, but also like super loud for the public. Yeah, there's nothing subtle about pulling yours out, especially. <laughs> oh my god, dude, this thing is incredible. So I just got this Thorburn. It it was it, and this is really how I got to know Mike uh, over at Blade Show. Like we hung out at the Thorburn table at Blade Show last year. I got to meet Andre, talk to him a little bit, uh, bought some materials, gave it to him, and then this thing finally happened uh, six months later. And I owe Charlie a debt of gratitude. Uh, he's not here to accept it right now, but he was the one that uh, let me in on the secret that Andre had some Damacore. And so uh, all these pieces came together. So thanks to the Knife Life podcast for uh, supporting <laughs> the server. And I bought the same. I ended up um, buying the same material that Frank had uh, given to Andre for the bolsters for that one. And JD, I just started getting pictures of it, uh, Frank, um, on uh, one of the builds by JD. Please send me those pictures right I now. I will send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's really cool. So uh, what else caught your eye at, at, at NYCKS? Anything else uh, stand out to you? Um. Yeah, I mean, um, what's what's oh geez, what's his name, Mike, that we spent some time at? It makes that slim utility. Oh, Richard Rogers. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's got to yeah, be mean, everybody's I, number one answer about the New yeah, York and custom I think, knife I, stuff. And it, yeah, and I understand why. I mean, uh, the oh, show yeah. was a lot of fun. It was so approachable. Um, there wasn't like, I wasn't blown away by a ton of, my, uh, I'll put it this way, I guess a lot of my favorite makers were not there. Um, and I've sort of been a fan of his in the periphery, but like couldn't tell you what his different models were and stuff. But after meeting him and handling them, I just totally was, was won over and would have, been more than happy to leave with uh one of his pieces so that was mm. cool to sort of find a new maker that um to appreciate so that was a good time um but for me i went to new york it was a it was cool to go there not having to run around and enter lottos and not have any of that pre- uh, pressure i just went to connect with some people and have a good time and uh that's what i did nice 
Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like as I'm following Richard Rogers' Instagram, I feel like the stuff that he is taking pictures of and showing off or like TKI, like it just keeps getting better. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, the work that he's doing is just incredible. And especially, I mean, I'm sure he could get away with charging a lot more than what he seems to be. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to be able to get one in the future. But right now, my list of uh, need to get knives is just too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which brings me back to the uh, Oser. You know, that thing, that Tengu flipper is incredible. Um do you have any like standout knives in your in your current collection um, that that really uh, that you don't see leaving anytime soon, or that you would consider like your favorite knives? Or you, you you mentioned perfection before. Do you do you see any? Do you have any knives that off the top of your head just immediately stand out to you as this is a perfect knife? Yeah, I'm actually in a really happy place with my collection. Um, there were a few makers that I really and a few models that I really was after and. I sort of have them at this point. Um, so I'm like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I mean, I say this now, but I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty mm -hmm. happy with everything um, in my collection from the modern stuff. Um, I have a Michael Raymond Starlet. It's the second Starlet I, I've owned. Um, I had a, a, an earlier build uh, jigged Starlet, and then I worked very hard to track down a plain uh, later built and uh, so I, I got rid of the jigged one and picked that one up and sort of ever since I've had that then I kind of went back to slippies because I was like well this is perfect so you know what am I going to get that's really gonna get me as excited as this so then I went back to slippies and filled some gaps from some makers that I was excited about and then more recently I flipped back to um, modern knives and went after a couple makers so at this point I you know I've got a couple a couple builds for this coming year, but I just want to enjoy my collection. You know, there are some of these knives that are absolutely fantastic that haven't really gotten a, a ton of pocket time yet and haven't really been enjoyed. So it's kind of a cool place to be. Um, so that Michael Raymond's incredible. Um, I've got two knives by uh, Philippe Georget, which I know some of you guys are. Fan. <laughs> oh, why would you say motherfucker for? You've got a very nice knife. A very nice 23. Uh, I don't 20, actually. Right? Now the I have a now. twenty. Yeah, yeah he's got what, a really uh, what, crazy uh, Georget here. What Georget do you have? The two. I have, have a. Yeah, I have a twenty as well. Um, it's got paper stone scales, which I hadn't really heard about until this knife. Uh, the opportunity to buy this knife presented itself. So it's actually like um, recycled paper that they use in like countertops. So they it's recycled paper, and then they like resin bond heat whatever, kind of similar to micarta, um, which obviously I'm a fan of. So I love the contrast. It's like, very, it's a, it's almost black and it contrasts with like a hand rubbed, uh, satin really nice. blade and it's just clean. And that's what I like. I really like clean, simple, done, done well, where the details really stand out and just like the chamfering around where your, your thumb would go to release the lock bar and, you know, his, his maker's mark and like a little cutout and, um, <clears throat> the the backspacers got some detail on it and and that's what i like i like simple done really clean and really well um so that really stood out to me the first time i saw saw a george uh, the fief 20 was the one that i really wanted and um a few months ago an opportunity came up to get the petit um which is his little guy it's like a two and three quarter inch blade titanium frame lock very simple but it's just 
dialed in. You know, it's really just a pleasure to carry and admire. Um, and it's it's funny because I think in a way it represents um, slip joints in that when I first got this knife and I flipped it the first few times, I was like underwhelmed. And the more I flipped it and the more I used it and carried it and looked at it, it just got under my skin as like one of my all-time faves. And I think it's mm. it's similar to slip joints. Like When I picked up this L36 and flipped it the first time, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, what a great flipper. The action, the acoustics, it's killer. And like, I fell in love with it off the bat. But I think there's something to be said for the sort of the subtle tease of a well-done simple knife and how you can really uh, uh, appreciate over time you know the little things that make it special that are really thoughtful by the maker mm-hmm. yeah so what 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 if you don't mind sharing like what do you have in the works for 2019 um right now I just have a couple uh slip joint builds coming up um one from ricardo romano who's probably one of if not my favorite knife makers um romano is from brazil he's the nicest most humble modest maker out there um he's just super cool and he i think in a lot of ways he really embodies like a craftsman in a very traditional sense like he built his own uh hammers and tools to make his knives you know i think i shared that with mike and i think that that stands out to me that's that's stuff that I really respect and appreciate. Um, so he's making a knife for me, which should be coming up pretty soon. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> Don Hansen, who's a knife maker who's been around forever, who does tactical knives and slip joints and fixed blades and, and cook the uh, chef's knives, um, kind of uh, just like a well-respected dude who forges his own W2 steel. Um, so it's been uh, something I've been after for a long time. He makes very few slip joints. So that that's one that'll be really special, uh, which should be coming this winter. Man, that's pretty awesome. So, so you really like, uh, having as much of the makers kind of story or, or history as possible, like kind of show up in the knife itself. Like it's, it sounds a lot like, uh, like you're buying the maker as much as you're buying the knife. Yeah. I think it's the, the passion that they put into it um Mm -hmm. and the care and thoughtfulness and but it but also i own knives and i have owned knives and i probably will buy knives from makers that i don't necessarily feel that way with like i'm also okay with that you know okay okay, Uh, sure uh, (laughs) i'm not i've gotten to a place of i think confidence in my own taste and what i like that when it comes to the knife community um and makers if it's available and I have a chance at it and I, I love it, then I'm going to get it. And if it's not, I'm not, and I'm not going to really lose sleep over it or be frustrated with it. Um, because you can get frustrated in the knife hobby. Um, you can have a bad taste left in your mouth over an experience. And there's been a few times where that has almost made me go, you know what, I'm, I'm over it, you know? Um, so, but I love collecting knives. So I've just gotten to a place where I'm like, I'm going to enjoy knives how I like to enjoy them and I'm going to share them um, with anyone who's interested in in looking at them and I'll talk knives uh, all day if you want. And that makes me happy. At the New York custom knife show, did you go to the Rogers table looking for traditional stuff or for his uh, flippers? Cause he was one of the people that I always flippers. Have you ever messed with any of his uh, traditional folding (laughs) knives? Who's got um, an just, emergency in the background? <laughs> oh, sorry, that was me. <laughs> you don't even Frank, notice. Uh, Frank, you might get a call. We, in a second. we need a brain surgeon <laughs> in New yeah. York. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. 
I think when it comes to traditional knives for me, I like I like traditional and my traditional knives. So um, although I definitely think some of the modern slip joints are super cool um, and I enjoy them, um, at the end of the day, what stayed in my collection is primarily my car to handles, traditional mm. patterns. Um, mm. And that's kind of what I like in my slip joints. And then everything else I enjoy with, you know, my modern folders, you know, so. Uh, Eugene, you just got a modern fold, slip I joint. I was just going to ask about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. saw your picture you just posted. Right, right. So I've had this uh, Chris Reeve Knives uh, Impinda for a little while now, just a, just a couple of weeks. Um, I think that the first run of them was released without a whole lot of fanfare and then they they sold out pretty much immediately so i got this off the secondary market uh turns out it was an employee over at koenig um actually who was uh putting up a few knives for sale so he had a great price so i ended up picking it up but but you know before i talk about about this i, I did want to just say that it, it seems like uh, and uh, this is probably the most obvious thing that anyone's going to say in today's episode but it seems like this been just this huge push towards uh kind of blending traditional aesthetics and traditional patterns with with modern materials and modern knife making uh, like you know the like I, I i have this i just thought of it right now because i have my my 47 viper uh gec 47 um it's a, it's a swayback pattern uh and right now you know uh the knife world is is going pretty gaga over uh for good reason you know over Elijah Isham's um, Pleroma with We Knives, right? And that, and he's he's come out and said, of course, that this is his kind of ode to or tribute to the classic Swayback. Um, so it's just kind of cool how these older patterns that are more typically associated with the traditional hobby are kind of making their way into these these modern iterations and and formats. It'll be cool to see how that continues and. And, and I think that the Impinda is a good example of that. I think that there are some things that, uh, like, like the knife seems to be positioned as a transition from modern folders into more traditional designs, uh, or maybe the other way around. But it, it, it kind of has its feet a little bit in both worlds. And so I think it pisses people off in both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, but you um, know, it's interesting yeah. from like a slip joint perspective, it's, it's the, it's happening both ways. You see yeah. traditional slip joint makers using, you know, Timascus, using Zerk right. in their, right. in their knives yeah. too. So I think, you know, look, it's a small community and it's mm-hmm. a simple tool, right? Yeah. Um, so people are going to draw inspiration from other makers. Right, you're going to get cross-pollination I, all the time, yeah. And it just makes everybody better. So, I mean, how can you not appreciate that regardless of it, yeah. if it's to your taste, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that that's a, a really important point you just made because I, I think people kind of have these categories that they want to fit things into. And, and any time something kind of blurs a little bit, people get a little bit, you know, bothered by that and, and start trolling in the comments. <laughs> but um, uh, generally speaking, I think it's a really good move um, that, like you said, it makes everybody better. And, and that's kind of how I feel, again, about this Impinda. Uh, it, it, there are people who wish it was more modern than it is. And there are some people who feel like it needs to be more traditional, but I think it's just right. You know, uh, price point is a little high. And I think that some How people, much is it? it's four fifty. Okay. Um, yeah, but I think That's personally, so high, come on, dude, is that the same? Does that deserve to be the same price as a Sabenza? <laughs> like, see, that's ex- real. That's exactly the comment that, that we get. But see, I personally think 
that they really can't be compared. It's no, they kinda... can't be. This is significantly less expensive to per- <laughs> give me a break. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, dude. This is ridiculous. Well, as, as that was Dave my thought at Blade. When you have a higher, you know, if you have a higher end custom by a Pena or so on, someone, you know, coming in at nine hundred dollars, and then you have a production version, you know, which you can kind of think of, right? Four hundred dollars is not that off the mark. It, it is a lot, but if you boil the knife down to just its parts, then yeah, sure, we could say that it's got fewer parts, fewer time under the the mill, uh, less time under the mill, you know, fewer minutes under under the mill, you know. Um, we we could make the argument that you're not you don't have the same amount of value in terms of just machining and materials, but I think that's where you know, traditionals, kind of the ethos behind collecting traditional slip joints starts to creep in where um, it's not exactly about, you know, the ultimate cost of the, the parts. It, it has to be about something more than the sum, you know? That's, uh, fair. So, That's fair. That makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, is it $450 fair? I don't know. I, I would definitely feel more comfortable with this knife at 325 you know, 325 or 350 That to yeah. me seemed like a like if someone told me that that's what it would cost, I would say, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. If it was two seventy five, I'd say, okay, that's a steal. But four fifty is also a point that's just close enough that to some of the table prices that Dave mentioned, where yeah, that's true. You know, if you're that's like four fifty, okay, that's a. I know, you know, obviously seven hundred dollars is more, but it's close enough that, you know, if you know you can get a high end custom handmade, yeah, from a reliable well maker. You know, wait six months or something, and exactly. You know, take a bigger step. That might be the. What's your experience with custom slippies? Do you have experience with customs? Like, no. See, that's yeah. That's the thing. Like, I haven't been able to. So, I I was really curious, Dave, what you thought if you ever gotten a chance to handle the Impinda, how it stacks up to things. uh, Yeah, I got to handle it at uh, New York. I was excited to see it. It's you know not an insignificant knife. You know, it's pretty. pretty large and pretty dense so there you know i could easily see myself hanging on to that thing and going to work with it and and i think for me that's what i love about chris reeves knives like Mm -hmm. pull it all away if you told me i was stuck on an island you know i'd want a large sabenza (laughs) yeah yeah. you know um and so it had that build quality you know tim and and those guys are, are super and they're doing cool stuff and um their their prices are arguably you know on the higher end from a value standpoint uh if you said dave you can either have that impinda or you know an inlaid small sabenza or even a plain large i'd probably take the sabenza all day um but because it's more modern um so if if i'm going to go modern then i'm going to go modern um so i thought it was rad it's not really my cup of tea i didn't really think twice about wanting to grab one um but i you thought it was think well, twice well and done. cut once <laughs> <laughs> I, I rarely think twice on anything um, <laughs> um but yeah it was rad and uh, i definitely appreciated getting to check it out and the build quality was there i think from an action standpoint from a smoothness standpoint it, yeah. it wasn't there it felt right. like a four, what a 400 dollars slip joint feels like it kind of you know not too far off from like a great eastern cutlery or um, an entry level custom, you know, it just had a, has a little bit of that grittiness um, mm-hmm. that starts to go away when you start to get into some of these really masterful slip joint yeah. makers. See, at this point, now that I've carried this for a couple of weeks, taking it to work and all that, um, 
I would say that it's at the smoothness that I would have expected it to be at the start. Um, but but yeah, you know, I, I, I one of my one of my issues that that I have kind of developed over time. Uh, I didn't mention this in my review of it, but um, it wasn't really clarified yet. But at this point, I kind of feel like if if this was going to be their first slip joint, I don't know that going with kind of a Harzy designed like unique take on the on on the slip joint mechanism was really the wisest move. Um, I, I think that the variable you know, pull strength and, and closing strength is is a good idea, but maybe something you want to experiment with after you've really nailed down um, like the smoothness and the operation of a slip joint. I, I think the other thing is, yeah, pricing it at $450, even if it's a valid price, it does invite the comparison, right? You know, it invites comparison, which maybe would have been better to just sidestep um, and say, okay, we might take a hit on this, but at least we won't be filling comment sections with arguments over would you choose this over a large Sebenza? Because I mean, who isn't going to choose a large Sebenza if they're collecting modern folders, right? So, yeah, and I mean, I think that's yeah. a good point. Like, it's not going to be like I'm buying one Chris Reeves knife. Which one is it going to be? I think right. if you're yeah. into collecting Chris Reeves, then it's a great addition to that. And I, I certainly appreciate and have owned my share of. Uh, Sebenzas and they're fantastic so if you enjoy that brand which is obviously a good one and uh, a brand that stands behind their knives and makes super high quality stuff and you like it aesthetically then get it and I think like for me that's just kind of my philosophy if you yeah. if, if you like it it's your money it's your knife collection if it makes you happy then that's what you should get and you shouldn't really chase knives just for the sake of, of hype or um, because you know someone else says it's cool yeah and, and I think that's where I, I land on this knife too. I love it. I absolutely love this knife. I like the aesthetics. I think it set it, it's basically the archetypal knife for me. It just has all that's unnecessary stripped away from it. It's just straightforward in materials that are gonna last um, you know, three generations from now. So I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Uh but yeah, there are some maybe more business side criticisms that can be made, but I don't think that should be confused with whether or not it's a good knife. Um, it does seem like sometimes that, that line gets blurred a little bit when people assess stuff, but as a knife, I think that it just really speaks to me. And like you said, if, if it speaks to you, you know, um, you out there in the world, you know, go ahead and pick it up. I don't think you'll be disappointed, but you might just get a bunch of people asking you why you didn't buy a Sebenza. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, what do you guys have uh, that you've picked up? Have you guys got anything new in the last uh, couple of weeks? I know that uh, Mike and I just uh, were talking the other day, but I haven't talked to you in a bit, Eugene. So probably the biggest purchase outside of this uh, in Pinda was, um, and, and actually around the same price, was the Swanapool, the Peter Swanapool uh, revolver, he's calling it, um, front flipper liner lock that, that uh, I, I, I think I posted a couple of pictures of it on my Instagram. Uh, it's got kind of this uh, buoy clip point-esque kind of blade shape. Overall size is probably about the same as a, as a small Sebenza. Uh, so just about a three inch M390 blade uh, with, with about a four inch handle. But, uh, you know, I'd never really uh, handled anything by this guy, Swanapool. And, and I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it too. I, I looked it up multiple different um, recordings of the name uh, on on Google. But if I'm butchering that, please forgive me, any of you uh, South African listeners um, out there. But uh, 
but yeah, he's a South African maker, and mm-hmm. I wanted to give it give it a try. And to be honest, I, I'm actually really impressed by it. Um, I I don't think it's the the absolute best front flipper in the world, uh, but it's also you know the first his first try at them. I think he absolutely nailed the 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 flipper tab, like the the positioning of it, the amount of jimping, and the kind of leverage that you need to to get it to pop open. Um, there are a couple other things I think could be changed, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking it up right now. It's a it's a nice blade shape. It, it's definitely a pretty interesting blade shape. Yeah, he's got a couple of them that he does. Uh, one with a big opening hole in it. Mm-hmm. That's more of a um, kind of a, almost a modified sheep's foot, I guess, with a big belly. That's a revolver. That yeah, the revolver. So yeah. he's not going to make any more of those. He's he's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just did a quick run of about seven or eight of them, and then he's. But I think it was all kind of research for his current model that he's working on, which is the uh, all-titanium frame-lock version of it. So that's currently in development. But I, I've, I've been enjoying that knife a lot. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It fits in my front pocket, my front shirt pocket, I should say. And just an interesting bit of trivia, he also makes his own micarta. So I thought that was kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really neat. Yeah, about the only thing that I think he didn't make was the... Uh, the phosphor bronze washers inside um inside the pivot but that's about it i might ask you to uh send that out so i could take a look at it eugene i've looked at his knives many times but never pulled the trigger on one and i wouldn't mind playing around with one i absolutely would have no problem saying that to you it's like i said uh i mean like comparing to the field grade gareth bull chamois mm-hmm. uh, that's also running on phosphor bronze, you know, and it is a frame lock, so it's going to behave slightly differently. But I do think the the field grade sham, for example, is is a better front flipper in terms of action tolerances, things like that. Um, but then again, you know, he Gareth Bull has been and his brother Jason, you know, they've been at it for a while, so they've had time to yeah. hone their craft. Uh, as a first front flipper, I was yeah, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by this, and I think that there's going to be a, a lot of. Uh, upward progress if if you know he continues to get the support he needs but yeah i'll definitely send it out to you um yeah in a little bit i i I do have one thing to say and i gotta say it for full disclosure uh when i popped open the the knife and disassembled it i I noticed that one of the phosphor bronze washers seemed to be bent and i'm not sure if i did that or what but um you did I probably did. You're right. I'll edit that out. I'll take that out <laughs> just in oh. case Nick is listening. <laughs> I mean, that it was bent. That's not good, though. That's bad. Was there was the action yeah. not good? No, the action was fine. It was just a little bit, you know, there were a couple of things with a knife. So the first thing was that, yeah, when I opened the knife just to do some cleaning and all that and some in- inspection, uh, I noticed that the the one the washers was bent, and I, I very well could have done that, but like not so much bent that I could feel it when I was using the knife, um, you know, when it was fully assembled. But it was just something visually that stuck out to me. So I I have a bunch of uh, PB washers on the way, um, so I'm gonna try and swap them out and see if maybe that affects the action at all. Uh, it, it maybe did you ask him? Uh, it up a little bit. Did you ask him the size and dimensions of the washers? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so uh, they're just. Uh, I mean, 
you, you probably don't need to know the dimensions, but yeah, I got the dimensions from him and, okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. ordered a bunch because they were super inexpensive. Yeah. But the other thing was, um, and, and <laughs> this I think has it. to do with one of the prototypes. Yeah, I just, just kind of just thumb, thumb measured it with my fingernail. Uh, but yeah, the other thing was uh, the the lock bar tension was pretty pretty high, like it was pretty intense. Uh, so I backed that off a little bit just because I felt like it was it was unnecessarily strong. Uh, so it's at a point where I really like it. Uh, but talking to someone who owned a prototype, um, I guess in the prototype the lock bar tension was too light, so he must have overcompensated and just uh, made it a little bit heavier than than I think is necessary. So I have tweaked it just a little bit, uh, but um, even before I did any of that tweaking, I was still pretty impressed. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I think the blade grind was nice. Um, and it was really the blade itself that kind of drew me to it, and the fact that you know it was a front flipper that I could buy and actually have in my hand from South Africa. Uh, so that was kind of nice. <laughs> Man, what Dave, about- it must be it must be nice with traditionals that you never have to deal with this. Uh- you know, taking them apart and fiddling with them nonstop <laughs> and trying to get the action better. This whole world of bullshit you just skip. And <laughs> oh, there is some. There is some. Oh, is there? <laughs> See, shows well, my, that might... just shows my ignorance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can get, you know, some grime in there and stuff like that. With my GECs, I'll just run them under warm water, a little soap and water, like get a paper towel in there, um, and then just let them air, you know, dry them with a paper towel as best I can, and then let them air dry, and then put a couple drops of um you know nano oil in them and they're good to go um with my customs honestly like i don't know if i've even ever really cleaned them out more than uh, a trick that i that i learned actually from uh jared ozer because he had posted a video about it um you take like a quarter inch thick piece of leather and you cut like a little square of it off and you use the corner of it and it's the just a little bit thicker than the width of the back spacer the back spring and it mm-hmm. just kind of fits right all in that back groove and you can get any of the gunk and stuff out of there oh, and then nice. uh, you just you know a little drop of oil um another trick is you can put sort of over oil it and open it and close it a bunch of times and you'll start to get like black oil seeping out of it so you you open it close it open it close it dry it off and you keep doing that until the oil kind of runs clean and that'll uh, help smooth them out a little bit that's what I've been doing uh, while we've been talking this whole time, actually. Uh, but yeah, have you ever had to take a mallet to one of yours, like to to reseat a a, a pivot pin or no. something like that? No, okay. I think the only yeah. time I ever had one that needed it was like a GEC, and I was gonna send it to them because they'll take care of that, and I just like sold it or something. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I I mean, in all the time I've been carrying, you know, these customs, and some of them are are certainly secondhand and have, you know, been carried and enjoyed good to go so i'm fortunate mm. in that right nice what do you use to do you, do you use anything like on the blades to like especially if they're using like a tool steel or something that might be more vulnerable to corrosion do you have like a like a, a solution or something that you you like to apply to the blades or anything um most of my customs in fact all of them are in some form of stain, stainless most of them are cpm okay. 154 or like s xhp um so those are just you know normal um with the gecs like i have a couple that i i keep clean and keep oiled up and i'll just honestly usually put like just 
if it's a knife I like bring to work and cut an apple with, I'll use mineral oil, but sometimes I'll just like rub a little nano oil on the blade every once in a while just to keep it from getting spotty or rusty. And then I have a couple because they all, all um, GECs use 1095 steel, except for the ones with the acorn shields. That's how you know if they use the stainless. Um, So, and 1095, I think is cool. If I use it and it gets a patina, then, you know, uh, I think a patina with a, a fresh edge looks pretty rad. Um, so that's kind of where I'll have that fun. Um, but for the most part, all the customs are, you don't need to worry about them. Good to go. So this is going to, this next question is going to maybe leave, uh, uh, Frank and Frank and Mike even more confused, but, uh, uh, <laughs> have you ever spent time at, at like blade forums looking at the dirty backspring picture threads? No, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. So I, I, I have no idea what this means. It's like the really dirty, the dirty, like backspring. dirty porn site or something. Yeah. I know it sounds that way, and the honestly, dirty. it feels a little that way too. Yeah. But like, if you yeah. if you crawl around on the the traditional uh, slip joint like section of the uh, of blade forums, there's like these threads of photos of just dirty backsprings because typically the backspring is also made out of like a, a tool steel. Yeah. So, you know, that's the part that's coming into contact with your, your sweaty palm all the time. So it just gets like so corroded and nasty. Um, but some like slip joint, like obviously these guys are, they're really like into using their knives, but yeah. they really like a really sick and nasty, dirty backspring. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> so those pictures. It sounds, that sounds know, like it's, it's, it's a different world. Different yeah. world. It's like the equivalent would be like I really want to see like really nasty jimping that's filled with like finger crud. You know, Dude. I <laughs> like in the modern <laughs> world. That is like watching two girls one cup, man. That's like what they're into. Disgusting. I'm gonna take you on your work for it's, it. It's funny you yeah. mentioned that, Frank, because when he said dirty backspring, I was like, is this yeah. gonna be like our version of the Monroe transfer? Like, is this? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right that's right <laughs> two girls one cup man throwback that's right that's right who you didn't watch it who didn't watch that in this room right now what do you say eugene kwan did that yeah eugene so god you're such a good on, guy man. eugene oh my god you're, you're too wholesome it kills me how wholesome you are dude oh my god <laughs> i feel such like such a bad person oh me too no, don't feel bad. i know what it is and that's i think sufficient so <laughs> oh it's not <laughs> no, dude, no. The words cannot describe. Like you just don't, until not. you see it with your eyes, the unholy like sacrilege that occurs is just oh, unbelievable. Goodness. Oh yeah. Anyways, anyways. Uh, well, yeah. what, else? what else? Hey Frank, what do you? You got anything in the works, Frank? You got anything this week or coming? I mean, I know you just got the Thorburn, but you got anything Man, else? Uh, coming I got down? the I got the Thorburn. That was extremely exciting. So, uh, what's what's been interesting is that Blade Show the effects of blade show are still being felt like this many months out. Uh, I collected some materials there and like this knife finally came through, but there was a piece of, uh, Cuser, Q, a copper and Zerk that I sent over to Nick Chopper. And I'm still waiting for my MK one RC to come through. And Ooh. that's going to be like insanity. I think when it's done. So that's going to be on the, on that knife. Yeah. That's going to end up on that one. Ooh. And that should be a lot of fun. But that's the uh, that's the only one. Well, uh, the Holtz are still, you know, waiting to make a Spectre out of some Mokume too. So that was a thing that happened at Blade Show as well. 
Uh, and then, ooh, I don't know. Ooh, after that, that, that after that, that is Gareth like Gareth Bull Trapper. Oh, I've got a, uh, I've got a Gareth Bull. You've still got that, yeah? Yep. Yeah, bro. Oh man. Oh, I got I'm one so of them tempted. too. I'm tempted. The thing is, I have a new Gareth Bull in the works too now. Oh. <laughs> so dang, that's that's <laughs> that's gonna be way off. That may be a Blade Show delivery. I'm not even sure yet, but we'll wow. see. All of these. Uh, oh, he's coming to Blade Show next year. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Is that's that kind of he's supposed to be? Oh. I mean, you know, I think there's like gonna be just some haters out there. Yep. I wonder if the haters show up to the to the Blade show and stuff. They'll show up, but they'll be like asking for his autograph. They're really quickly gonna meet non-haters. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. G- Gareth shows up two weeks after Blade show. <laughs> <laughs> People are still going to show up, though. He'll run a lottery inside, out just outside the porch, you know. He'll still sell all of his knives in four seconds. Yep. Yeah, it'll happen. But yeah, he's supposed to be coming this year. I'm going to try to make it there. I've told everyone that I work with that I'm like, I'm not going to be here the first week of June. Are you you going out, Eugene? Uh, my my wife has agreed to make it an annual trip. Really? Yeah, Excellent. yeah. So get you someone who loves uh you the way that my wife loves my knife hobby. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Dave, are you going to uh Blade Show? I don't know. Um, have no you been to it before? Yeah, I went and not this year, the previous year, which was sort of my first knife show um extravaganza, and it was dope. You know it it's a rare opportunity to see so many makers that you like and handle so many knives. It's just such a to do dude with the travel and just how crazy it is and how busy it is. Yeah. But I don't know. You never know. I feel, I feel like going to these big shows is good for people who kind of don't, don't exactly know what they don't know, you know, and don't, don't really know exactly what they're looking for in a knife just because you get to handle so many. But yeah, like you're saying, once you kind of settle into a style and a, a set of makers that you enjoy, um, you're probably not missing all that much, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a good opportunity to get knives from those makers that might be really tough too. I mean, if you have, you know, 10 makers that you would be ready to buy a knife from and they're at the show and you get lucky with, you know, a lotto or a first come first serve, you know, it, it, you can kind of justify it that way for sure. Well, it, it uh, you know, for me, it was just an opportunity to meet these makers, just like you said, and then just make stuff happen. Like, mm-hmm. that's the most fun part of this all. They just stuff happens. Like, you can talk to them about delivering it at Blade or handing them some materials at a show. It's just, that's just so much fun, man. That's just crazy. Yeah, I think that's what makes it really, that's what makes the show memorable. When I was at the East Coast show, I was waiting to go in and I was just chatting with, um, you know, some dude outside getting to know each other. And then um, I was hanging out with uh, Jonas. You have one of his knives, right, Frank? I just did pick one of those up. Yeah, Yeah, incredible stuff. So I got to, it was pretty much just posted up there, hanging out with him. And uh, there was a knife there that I really wanted. I entered the lotto for it, didn't win. The dude I was talking to outside actually won it. And I was like, oh, man, you know, let's let's talk about it. I really am into that. And he was like, 
he's like, oh, you can have it, dude. And he sold it to me for table price. And like, that's such a cool story. Um, oh, wow. And it was nice. such a good time. And, you know, yeah. that that's what makes that knife special, you know? Man, sure. that's that's very, very cool. And random things like that will happen. Like, you'll just meet a random person. It will end up being, like, some dude you talk to on Instagram all the time anyways. And then <laughs> and then he, he busts out a knife that you want, and you guys make a deal. That's, that's very cool. Yeah, knife shows are just great because you don't have to, like, kind of, like, look over your shoulder, right? Like, people aren't giving you that weird look. Like, why are you into knives? You know, it's yeah, just that one place. Yeah, it's a safe place. It's a safe place. Yeah, filled with sharpened edges <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> the most unsafe, safe space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of shows, uh, aside from Blade Show next year, uh, is there really anything else? I, I'm heading to, to SHOT Show in January, but is there anything that you guys are, are planning to check out? Is there another? Is there even another show before then? I don't know. I'm skipping TKI in Vegas um, in January. Yeah, TKI is but, a big show. Yeah, that's a big one, but I'm skipping it and uh, waiting till it'll be Blade and hopefully, like Frank said, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm to gonna pick save up a couple up deliveries and, and plant, um, plant some seeds and see what happens. Yeah. That's and that's the best way to use them. That's what I did at Blade at the same time as Frank was buying stuff. I bought some materials and I'm hoping to pick up a couple deliveries and buy some material and you know plant some stuff out. Nice, nice. Um, but that'll be the next show for me. Very cool. Uh, well, Dave, definitely uh, it's cool to have you on here and to talk about your collection and everything. Uh, did you have any questions for us or anything? No, honestly, not really. You know, I'm a, like I said, I listen to the show. You know, we've all connected sort of individually through different platforms before, so not not really strangers. And, you know, I enjoy all your guys' collections. And, you know, I really just appreciate getting an opportunity to, to be invited to the show and to contribute to, you know, community that brings me a lot of a lot of enjoyment. So thank you guys so much. Awesome, man. Well, well it's definitely yeah, nice to meet you. you. Yeah, yeah, thanks and, for um, uh, all the information on slip joints and stuff. I know Eugene's into it, but it's generally a subject matter that we don't touch on much because Charlie and Frank and I, we don't know shit about it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I'll uh, maybe I'll put a knife in the mail for each of you knuckleheads to check out and uh, mm -hmm. get your thoughts. Nice. <laughs> Broadening yeah. our horizons. That's good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun with Dave, and yeah, you can again. He's he goes by every Dave Carey. Uh, which is just a, a brilliant Instagram handle, by the way. I, I, I need to tell, say that before we end the show. <laughs> like, it is it's a solid one. That's good. It's a solid yeah. choice, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so go ahead and give him a follow there. Again, I'm Eugene Kwan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube under that name. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Dr. Frankie on YouTube and Instagram and on Gmail. And this is Mike. I'm Bloom and Blade on Instagram. And yeah, again, Dave, uh, 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 thank you for, for coming out to the show. Um, all of you guys listener, listening out there, we really appreciate the support. We, we just can't believe that there are that many people out there who want to listen to us, us talk about knives. And so uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And until uh, our next episode, you guys have a nice knife life.